Hello, I'm Suzanne Caprell, and this is Chanel and Muck Boots, conversations with extraordinary women who are your neighbors, co-workers, family members, and friends. These women are beautiful, wise, badass, resilient, have guts, and they get it done. Here are their stories. Hello, I'm Suzanne Caprell, and today's guest is Linda Armstrong. Now, Linda has quite a story that she's going to share with us today. It's really exciting to have you here. Linda is currently the executive director of Luzerne County Dress for Success. Hey, Linda. Hey, Suzanne. Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you very much for being here. When I approached you a few weeks ago and we talked about what this was all about, Chanel and Muck Boots and women who get it done, you graciously said, yes, I am definitely interested in doing this show. So thank you so much. I do know a little bit about you. Um, our paths have crossed here and there over the last few years. And one of the things that, that you know, we talked about is that you were from this area originally. You right. were from northeastern Pennsylvania. You blew town for a few years to seek fame and fortune <laughs> like many of us did. And, and then you came home. So can you kind of talk about, you know, what happened after you left high school, where you went, what you did, and uh, take it from there? Well, I graduated um Actually, it goes way back. Both of my parents were from this area, and I was born here. And I guess before kindergarten, my parents left. I think my father was working at United Cigar Factory and realized that he was never going to get anything done. And it was right after Korea. So we moved to New York, and I went to uh, New York City public schools until half of eighth grade, where we and then we returned here uh, to the Pittston area, mm-hmm. and I graduated Pittston area high school in nineteen <laughs> around there, around there, yeah, yeah sometime in the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> and um, I don't think the ink was dry on my diploma, and we went back to New York. Okay, so your family moved back to New York. Yeah, yeah, my parents had an opportunity to get into a restaurant in the what became the Fulton Fish. Mar- well, it was the Fulton Fish Market. It became the uh, the seaport. Yeah, I just got a job on Wall Street. Uh, you it, just like happened to just get a job on Wall Street? Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. Um, well, I got put into the back office. Now, that was in the early 80s and everything, you know, the the stock market was going crazy. People, so people were making money back Oh, then. people were making crazy yeah. money. And it was a very rich time with the oil companies. Everything was splitting and they put me in the dividend department. It was a large investment bank. And that started my career. It was it was amazing. It was an amazing ride for almost thirty years. Okay, and in those thirty years, you worked yourself up, right? Yeah, um, up the ranks. I did. I spent a lot of time at um, Prudential Securities. I was a vice president. I managed technology. I saw the dawn of PCs on Wall Street. I saw the dawn of what everybody hates now is political correctness mm-hmm. on Wall Street. I saw a lot of I, I saw a lot of evolution, and I, I was really, really um, honored to be part of that. It, it, it was an impressive time in the world. And right after September 11th, Prudential was sold, and I went to work for a large Japanese bank, and spent five years there, and. You know, if I tell you what I did, I mean, I created a an electronic process for non-resident alien Japanese institutional investors across Europe. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not asleep yet, um, I was a big geek who took a very paper-intensive process and put it on electronic version with the German tax authority, the Bundesamt für Finanzen, and... Um, then I just sat back and said, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You're going to die in this paper. And um, 
So after a, a year or two, we got that process going, and the Dutch loved it, and they came to me to help. I, I said, I got to get out of here, and um, you got to get out of New York. Or you yeah, have to get out of the, the environment, business, the whole, the whole thing. Like I needed a change, and and New York was a younger woman's game. I was coming up. I was after forty five years old. I said, you know. My daughter was already getting ready to graduate high school, and I said, it's time to give birth to a new life mm -hmm. for me. And I'd never been afraid to to change my life and to, to evolve into something. So, yeah, I structured a buyout from that company, and I left. And I had bought my house in West Pittston a few years before as an investment, Okay, um, figuring one day I would retire to my little house in West Pittston. So, so you you had a plan to actually circle back and, and get back to yeah, I figured, Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know, to retire in New York City, it's kind of insanity because it's too, you know, it's too electric still and it's too expensive. And I, I guess at some point I always maintained a, a small towner okay. kind of mentality. And I still had extended family here. My best friend was here and I had more connections here. Okay, so... Easy peasy coming back and then just picking up where you left off 30 years prior? Or oh, what no. did you do? What happened? No. Um, I took a job in an advertising agency here that was, um, let's say it wasn't a good fit. Okay. And that happens. Then I took a job at a local not for profit, and that was really not a good fit. But in the meantime, I had done some volunteer work with. Dress for Success. And Dress for Success, um, I was one of their first volunteers in New York when it was one little shop in West 4th Street. And I saw that my clothing made a difference. And I was on a 60 Minutes episode. Um, nice. Leslie Stahl and I kind of went at it for a moment. Why? Wait, wait, wait. Back up. Why? <laughs> well, we had filmed a segment of a woman getting ready for a job interview. Okay. And she looked fantastic. And then I had found out that she was going to be working at, I think at the time, Morgan Stanley. And that was at a time where women still, you didn't go to an interview in slacks. Uh, uh huh. And I made them change her outfit. So they didn't have the continuity of then, you know, here's her shot, she's all dressed, and then there she is at work in a different outfit. And Leslie said, you know, what's the matter? She looked fantastic. And I said, she's wearing uh, pants. She wasn't going to get hired at Morgan Stanley in pants. I mean, I was already at that level of vice president, and I wouldn't have gone out on a job interview in Slack. And slacks. so Leslie had a, an issue with yeah. this chick wearing pants when yeah. she was going for an interview at Morgan Stanley. Right, right. Jeez. You know, and it was still – women still weren't wearing pants right. on the floor of the Senate and, and or on the stock exchange for that matter. Okay, so let's take a break, though, okay, because sorry. I want to ask you something about Dress for Success. For, sure. for listeners who don't necessarily know what Dress for Success is, can you kind of give me an overview of what it's all about? All right, well, Dress for Success Luzerne County is our official registered trademark name. Our mission is to empower women to achieve economic independence. How? We do it in three ways. First, we provide a network of support. You know, we don't drop a woman when she starts working. Number two, we do provide career-appropriate attire. 
And the third is we provide career development tools that a woman needs to thrive in work and in life. So, you know, when we see a woman struggling who maybe never worked and we want to say, well, what's the matter with her? Why doesn't she go to work? Why doesn't she do this? Why doesn't she do that? Very oftentimes they don't know how. You know, if I told you to go, you know, cut down a tree, if you didn't know what you needed to do that, you couldn't do it. Um, Build a house. Well, I don't know. What's the first thing? So it, it sounds ridiculous, but a lot of our women don't have the um, middle class upbringing, mm-hmm. the workforce, the you know the working class upbringing but that we do. Let's clarify something. These women want to work. Oh, absolutely. This is not like handouts. You know, first of all, you know people want to say, and that that's one of the biggest problems we run into with dress for success. People want to vilify. Yeah. Those women, you know, Mm -hmm. the welfare mothers, they're the bane of our existence. They're the drag on society. What did they do to deserve this? Oh, yeah. They want a handout. They're sitting at home getting rich on a welfare check. Well, I'm here to tell you, no, that that doesn't happen. You know, that just is not what's going on. In Pennsylvania, if you sign up or need to extra help and you go for cash assistance, which is welfare, you have to report to a place that's going to get you a job. Mm -hmm. And here in Luzerne County, it's the EARN program. And if you don't report, you don't get a check. And and first of all, that check is so menial, it's not going to get you anywhere. You're not going to be sitting home getting rich, no matter how many kids you have. They're going to keep you right over the starvation level. And what the benefit to going to that is, is that your children and you can you can get coordinated child care. So you'll get help with your child care, which is any working woman's, you know, hardest nut to crack. I know. Absolutely. That's your decision. I've been there. When you're when you're happily married in a in a successful relationship, you have to determine is it worth me going back to work in order to, uh, you know, pay for childcare. Well, you're trusting the life of your yes, child that's into, into a one. virtual stranger's exactly. hands. So, exactly. yeah, I get that totally. Or, or you have to trust that you're going to be able to feed your kid. Yeah. And for a lot of people and a lot of our women, that's not the choice. The choice is, yes, I've got to feed my child. And I went through the same thing. I had a young child. Uh, one day my husband decided to, um, you know, pound my face into the wall and I had to decide, what am I going to do? And people had said, oh, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to let a stranger raise my child. And I said, well, I can't have a stranger feeding my child. So what am I going to do? I'm right. going back to work. And and that's, you know, what happened. And that's getting stuff done. So let's let's back up a sec. So <laughs> We're telling our story in reverse. Sorry about this. Right. I, no, this. I throw is, these nuggets in all this the time. Is, this is good stuff. And it's important stuff. Yeah. Um, your husband would hit you. Um, we did have a bit of a domestic violence issue. Okay. And, um, we were both recovering and we met in recovery. Recovering from what? What were you recovering from? Alcohol, drugs, that type of thing. How long, how long were you doing drugs? From about 12, from about 12 to 23 is when I got sober, 11 or 12. And you know, it was funny, but back in the seventies, an overweight kid. Yeah. Got put on methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, here you go. You're a little fatty. Here you go. Take this speed. And I remember talking to a, a friend of mine I grew up with, and her mother and I were on the same diet pills, and there were two other mothers in in the neighborhood. So 
the four of us would sit up all night painting a project, doing something, and it was like nobody thought it was weird. Wait, how old were you? I was 11 or 12 years old okay. hanging out with my friend's mothers friend because we were all on speed. <laughs> From a doctor. I uh. mean, we had a prescription. Yeehaw. You know, so none of us could sleep. I'd be outside in the yard cutting grass and trees at like 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's insane, even back then. But it was, you know, but you lost weight. It was great. And then you lost weight, and so yeah. society would accept you, mm-hmm. and you were pretty, and you were popular, right. and you had, yeah. And all I that, had a monkey on my back. All that crap. Absolutely. And it, and, and it just opened the gates of hell, in yeah. my opinion. And I learned how to self medicate. Yeah. And, you know, nobody, and, and nobody thought they were doing wrong. That really, I mean, truly, I, I don't believe the intention was to here get this kid addicted to drugs. It was like, oh, let's help this girl lose some weight. Right, let's fix it. Here's let's, a pill. Yeah, here's yeah. a pill. Let's fix this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that worked. Yeah, yeah, it right, worked real right. well. Okay, here I am, all svelte at you know, <clears throat> hundred pounds. All right, <laughs> your husband, um, your husband hit you for the yeah. last time, so you decided, I'm done. I'm out of oh, here. Oh yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, I had him. I had him taken out of the house, and, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. How you old know? was your daughter? I think about, geez, she was about three or four at the time. Yikes. Yeah, so she didn't witness that, but she knew that there were issues there. Oh, kids see. They, Even when you yeah. don't think they see, yeah. they see. She yeah. saw him drinking. She saw him, and she saw the attempts at you know rehab for him and everything, and you know, and as he was escorted out of the house, I looked up and I said, oh, great, this is fine. And I knew, you know, I knew that my life would change if he, and, you know, I'll even tell you a backstory to that. Uh, one time he came home after a three-day binge and he was still in a blackout. And I packed up a few things. I lit a cigarette and he went to bed. And he pushed my daughter. That was the first time he ever, you know, he said, Linda, get this kid away from me. And he went in and he laid down in the bed. And I took one of his cigarettes and I lit it. And I packed what I needed. And I lit that cigarette and I took a few drags at the end of the bed. And I was getting ready to toss that cigarette in bed with him. And thought, this will be the end of all my problems. And we were living in a mother-daughter, a split-level home. And I heard the landlord come in. And they were an older couple. And I said, I can't hurt them. Mm-hmm. So I I did leave the house and then set up an intervention. And he, you know, he went to rehab and, you know, but still the, the issues were there. And, and yeah, so he took a few swipes. I had him removed from the house and thought, oh, this is great. You know, now my life is going to start again. And I looked at myself in a black eye. And I thought, oh, girl, you'll never be this sick again. Then nobody will ever do this to you again. I understand and, it. And and I'm blessed mm-hmm. that I had that epiphany because I know women who never did. You know, I see it all the time. Women die for never having that epiphany. And again, I didn't know what direction. I didn't know where it was going. But I knew that would never happen again. So... I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. Is that, do you think one of the things that drew you to Dress for Success is the ability to help these women who want to work, who need to get quality child care? I mean, it's, it's like a natural transition. 
It, um, it was, you know, um, it was around that time. Well, you know, it, it was a little bit later. Um, I had met um, and was living with the CFO at Pfizer right at the dawn of Viagra. And oh, we, I yeah, know. girl. Cheer, <laughs> cheers. Not that he needed any, but um, <laughs> we were a young, hot couple. And um, I was standing in a walk-in closet. He he was very wealthy. And I was standing in a, a walk-in closet saying I had nothing to wear. And, and then I heard it was a magazine geared to larger women. And there was a little article about saying, you know, if you're this big and you're having problems with money to get clothing, imagine if you don't have the money. And I immediately packed up half of that closet and trudged into New York, into Manhattan, and donated um, my clothing to Dress for Success. It was this one little shop in West 4th Street, and um, I loved what I saw. I loved the people I met, and I loved the women I met. And it was about empowering each other. And I that was when I truly thought, wow, you know, I am a recovering alcoholic drug addict, su- survivor of domestic violence. Um, I came from a broken home as a kid. This happened, that happened. I said, my goodness, the only thing is I'm not a disabled vet. Wow. And look at me. You know, I'm a vice president. I've traveled to Europe. I've done different things for work and I'm getting paid for it. So let me start giving back. And I found a home for myself and my talents address for success and um, volunteered there for years until I left New York and came back here. Okay, so, so what was it that actually got you started with Dress for Success in Luzerne County? Because you had jobs prior to where you right. are now. It didn't work. So I kind of think of that as stepping stones. It was kind of like the next step that you should oh, be doing. Yeah, yeah. You're where you belong right now, aren't goddess, you? Goddess knew I didn't belong at an ad agency and I didn't belong at a gym in Pittston. So, <laughs> yeah, go figure that. Um I often tell people, like, you don't want me working around children. I'll take a troubled teen, but not, you know, I love my grandkids, but I don't belong in that environment. So I was out of work. I was collecting unemployment here in Pennsylvania at a a New York rate. And it was at the dawn of the Great Recession. I remember, you know, it was great. I was getting money. I had money. The summer was there. I planted all my garden. I took out every bulb and ordered five tons of dirt. And, oh, it was a great summer. And then I was watching the economy collapse. Yeah. We were paying, I think, a dollar for an ear of corn because everybody was trying to shove it in their gas tanks. Gas was getting ready to hit $5 a gallon. And I started to go, hmm, maybe I better go get a J-O-B. And um, at that time, I started looking around for work and I, you know, my resume was such a, I thought, oh, this is amazing. But they didn't have jobs like I was seeking. And, you know, nobody realized the magnificence of me at that point. So um, I started going to CareerLink and visiting. And um, they put me here at King's College in the Wall Street West program because they knew I was from Wall Street and I had that experience. And I started to you know, take a few courses, and I ended up with a certificate in economics. Now, at the same point, I took a job as a uh, customer service representative at Keystone Automotive. 
Beautiful. Did you have to use like a customer service representative voice? Well, I knew that I was going to be working with angry mechanics. Yeah. So Good times. I actually, if I may, I said I was a phone sex operator to the automotive industry (laughs) where I would pick up my phone and I knew I had in New York trained customer service reps. Yeah. So I used my, thanks for calling Keystone. This is Linda. How can I help you? I like it. I know. And they did too. But (laughs) what had happened was... I was working, you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, working in that speed environment in New York, I, after a week, made the top matrix of the lines. I was, I wrote a customer service training manual. I got a degree in economics and I opened a not-for-profit. And two years after that, you know, it all began, I had to move some money and I went to the boss and said, hey, listen, um, I have a check for $250,000 on me, and I'm going to live, go live my dream now. I said, I give you a month's notice. And I left and found my space and got my 501c3 and got my certificate in economics from King's College and started a not-for-profit. How easy was it? Oh, yeah. It was really right. easy. Cakewalk, you know, if I, right? if I had a brain... My favorite I might thing, not have done it. <laughs> the, the favorite thing I hear um, in the in the industry of nonprofit is, if you need that, just write a grant. Oh it's gosh! Easy. Oh yeah! It's just so mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Writing a grant is. I guess at some point I developed ADD because sitting down and writing a grant, you might as well drive a stake through my head. Um, but and I was telling some volunteers, you know, I, I yesterday we had a crew come in and we're cleaning up the shop and. They're throwing out all this stuff, and they were looking at me like I was some hoarder, crazy woman. And I was like, you know, here's the deal. If I'm writing a grant and I get a phone call that, you know, Mary Smith needs needs an outfit for a job interview, I leave my computer and I get her ready for a job interview. Yeah. If I'm cleaning the shop and, you know, donations come in and, you know, three clients need help going back to work, I'm there for them. and And that's where... Um, my fundraising snafu comes. Like I'm there to work for the clients and the women who need me. I can't pander to donors, and I'm not very nice. <laughs> so you know, I'm like it's more important to be kind than nice, and kind kind isn't always nice. And so if I have to sit down and talk to a woman about taking the piercings out of her face, or if I have to explain to a donor that. I don't need her grandma's clothes Mm -hmm. because they're not, you know, typically what a woman in work that I work with needs. Um, They don't like that. Nobody wants to hear that. But it's a fine line and you have to walk that fine line. Uh And it's not just one thing. So you're not just a grant writer. You're not just you're you're everything. You're customer service. You're the front line. You're you're everything. I'm a one man band. Some days all the balls stay in the air. Uh Um, Very oftentimes they're all falling around me. And, you know, when then you get a client whose life affects you. And. You know, my fiance is like, I'll go back in the house and I'll go in my room and put on Bravo and watch The Real Housewives of Somewhere. And he's like, why do you do that? Why do you watch that stuff? And I was like, this is because I don't have to work. I don't have to worry about a woman who's 
kids are staying home alone tonight or I don't have to worry about a woman who's living in a shelter with her children. It's a way for you to decompress. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I get like, it. I said, I need rich lady problems at yeah. this point because yeah. they're a lot prettier than the ones I'm dealing with, you know. And, you know, on the surface, people think I take clothes and give them to women and get them jobs and everything is great. But it's it's so much more than that. There's so much more so- social services involved in it. And, you know, that should be my next degree, I guess, because I'm so not trained for that. But who is? Who is? I mean, you can't. I mean, like a world class psychologist, you walk into her office and I, I'll tell you what we worked with. Um, we work with – I have a very dear friend who's a local author and she is a psychologist and an MSW and she left a job in finance to pursue her dream. And one day she came in. She was going to lead a group of uh, youngsters from uh, Job Corps. And I, I, I prefer to work with – well, I, I love to work with women when they're 18 as opposed to when they're 38. Why? Well, because then there's 20 years I might have saved. Okay. 20 years of misery that we could have saved them from. And um, so she came in and we had luncheon and I said, you know, hey, take a, make a sandwich now and then we'll put it to the side. She's like, no, that's okay. I was like, no, take a sandwich. And she kept bickering and no, 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 no. It's all right. I said, okay, fine. Don't take a sandwich. And she led the group and then the van came and, and the young women left and she went to make a sandwich and there wasn't a piece of lettuce left. And she was like, wow, what was that? And I said, you were just introduced to food insecure youth. And she's like, wow. I said, I know. I, you know, if I offer a woman, one of my clients, a cup of coffee, I better have a pound of sugar mm-hmm. and a gallon of milk because coffee is a meal. That lettuce, it might starve off, it might stave off starvation tonight. Mm-hmm. And, and that's eye-opening when you realize that, you know, we have food insecure people, young women, 18-year-olds that don't know where a meal is coming from. That's the realities that I kind of, I didn't expect. I thought I was going to make people look great and mm-hmm. send them out on a job. I didn't think I was going to have to worry about food insecurities. Um, what's the criteria if someone wants to receive services? Okay. Luzerne County Just for Success. Okay. Well... We, because we don't vet our clients, mm-hmm. we work with about 42 community partners. Okay. And that could be from CareerLink to Catholic Social Services, uh, OVR, in the Earn program, any of the shelters, Ruth's Place, uh, the Domestic Violence Service Center, any any group that helps women get back on their feet. They can contact me and we will set up an appointment we see clients via referral and via an appointment. So they come in, and once I get a referral, we make that appointment, and they'll come in, and we'll talk to them about exactly what they need, how to get that job, and what other services we may have one of our programs running at the time, and we would invite them to come to. And we'll ask, like, hey, you want me to look at your resume? Right. Let's talk about we'll treat that we'll treat that suiting appointment as practice for an interview. You know, what you're doing and what you talked about in this in this today's show is pretty heavy stuff. I right. mean it's it's intense stuff. 
Uh, what do you do for fun? Well, <laughs> I ride a motorcycle that most men fear. Get out. Yeah, tell I me. Do. Tell me. What kind? Um, what, what? Well, I have um, – actually, it's a, it's a newer bike to me. It's I have them about a year now. Well, her. I, ha- I now ride a female motorcycle. <laughs> um, for the last seven years, I was riding a 2003 Indian Spirit Roadmaster. I called him Jim Thorpe because he was a Pennsylvania Indian. Good. And uh, he and I logged some nice miles. But last year in Daytona, I bought a Harley Davidson. And uh, it's a heritage. It's an 1850cc motorcycle with six gears. And yeah, I know. It's like, and so I did the most rational thing anyone could do. I bought a motorcycle and drove across the state of Florida to pick up some friends and then did the second most rational thing. We drove down to the Keys on a windy day on a motorcycle that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when I'm not working, I try to kill myself. Okay. Gotcha. No, (laughs) we get it. We get it. Yeah. It it actually, by the time I slip into third or fourth gear, uh, a lot of the stress is gone away and I I can feel myself recovering. Now, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to take the transcripts um, from okay. our talks. Okay. We don't call them interviews. We call them talks. And it's it's actually going to be on the chanelandmuckboots.com website and blog, as well as um, on the Facebook page. Uh, how would people get in touch with you? Facebook, website, what's the best well, way? Well, we do have a good presence on Facebook. Okay. It's Dress for Success Luzerne County. Okay. Our email address is luzernecounty at dressforsuccess.org. Or you can look us up on the internet at um, luzernecounty.dressforsuccess.org. Some combination of that, or just go to the dressforsuccess.org website. Linda, this was remarkable. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. You are awesome. And, thank uh, you, Suzanne. I'm just really happy you were here to share your uh, story. I, it, it's a great thing. Quickly, and, in 30 seconds or less, what would you say to a younger you out there listening today? Eat better and exercise, and don't take no for an answer. And don't do drugs. If you can. Don't do drugs. If you don't have to. <laughs> if you don't if you have, don't to, have yeah. to, Understand. Yeah. Just take care of yourself better. Good advice. Very (laughs) good. Thank you so much. It was wisdom today uh, personified. And I'm Suzanne Caprol. Have a great week. We'll talk again soon.